Welcome to Girl Talk, where we engage in real talk and share real stories of women who have overcome by encountering the one true God. Now, here's your host, Lynn Blakeney. I am so excited to have our guest, Y.E. Schmidt, on Girl Talk today. Y.E. is a global investor who shares on the topic of our identity and assignment as kings on the earth. She's a mother of two and the author of the book, Kings on the Rise. Y.E. will be sharing her story about how God healed and delivered her from poverty, abuse, and severe trauma, transforming her into a mighty woman of God who is now a multi-million dollar investor. Y.E., welcome to Girl Talk. Lynn, thank you so much for having me. It's been such an honor. Amen. We're so glad uh, that you joined us today. Well, let's just jump right in. Y.E., tell us about your childhood, where you were raised, and what it was like for you growing up. I'm trying to think about where I should begin because there's been so much. But in a nutshell, in Mm -hmm. a nutshell, um, I was born in a very underserved part of the community in in Singapore 52 years ago. And looking back, we would call it the ghetto. Mm -hmm. Okay. And my family was in uh, the four of us, my dad, my mom, Mm -hmm. my grandmother, as in his mom was also with us. Okay. Two of us, two toddlers. Yeah, my, mm. bro- my brother and myself. So five persons were mm-hmm. squashed in, uh, in in something probably around 200 square feet, I would say, wow. 200 wow. square feet apartment. Um, yeah, and it is located on the ground floor of a very huge um, apartment complex with okay. a lot of tiny apartments, with, mm-hmm. with many families, with many members in each unit and uh, i remember our apartment was particularly uh well dirty because we were we were situated next to a garbage chute i I don't know whether you've heard of that you know which is like literally like like where you would put your trash right correct correct and it's it's a it's like a huge tunnel funnel thing that you know you can drop garbage from the 10th floor to the whatever floor and all the stories above our apartment people can throw garbage into this to this funnel and then it will land right at the the bottom on the ground floor where the garbage will be collected so the door the garbage door is literally next to our apartment and when Mm -hmm. i get out to play you know this is what i smell every single day and it doesn't even affect me as a child anymore because you know you see all these cockroaches running around and and mm. um it was just your dad, way of life mm-hmm. it was our way of life it was our way of life my dad was uh unfortunately very um how would i put it he he didn't hold down jobs very well so it's always okay. there's always constant change a lot of mm. uncertainty for a child and i did witness and I've mentioned this to you before. Unfortunately, I've and and I'm sure you've also seen it in my book that I've yes. witnessed a lot of abuse within the family. And what I heard later on from my mom, growing mm-hmm. later on in life, and 
In fact, very recently, I found out as well that he was very abusive towards his own mother. And so as a child, mm -hmm. a lot of things that I'm seeing, probably not even conscious, I was watching all that violence happening, apart from mm -hmm. the fact that he was hitting my mom, he mm -hmm. was also hitting his mom. Wow. And so I guess as toddlers, young children, my brother and I were either cowering in fear or just like, what's going on? Let's just try right. to step all this how do we navigate all this how do we just pretend that we don't exist so that it doesn't hit us mm. you know what I mean? like yeah. yeah of course of course uh, so much there but you know it's just a little impression of what i've had to face while growing up yeah yeah i mean i think you've shared with me like your father drank a lot too he was an alcoholic right and um you know lashing out at the family um, but you said that you found a way of escape, um, you and your brother, as you grew, you know, older. What was that way of escape? You know, like yeah. what, what did you do with your time to escape the reality that you were in? Like you would think that, uh, yeah. Yes, correct. And, and that was what I was going to allude to. Like, you know, a lot of times as parents, you're trying to say, oh, you don't watch too much TV, don't talk, play too many games, you know, like, right. <laughs> yes, exactly. you, know, and you think, oh, that's not good for you, blah, 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 you're getting all that input. But honestly, I felt like the Lord used the television as a way of not just educating us, because my brother and mm -hmm. I are, you know, perfect, perfect English speakers, but also because we feel more native with English right. um, than any other language, because we were watching English programming 24 mm -hmm. seven, right. whatever that we could get our hands on because mm -hmm. we want to be in our little bubble and it didn't touch us that, you know, we're, we're escaping into that medium. We're escaping into just this entertainment, this world of entertainment, but yeah. it's absolute chaos around us. Right. And what placed us in this little entertainment bubble and it right. just kind of protected us. Yes. Strange as it seems, but yes. that was his way of using the television, not just as a right. nanny for us, because my mother, of course, she was working very hard. She was trying to put bread on okay. the table. And as long as, as as soon as bread is on the table, then my dad comes in and gets some more money off her. And, you know, and that was just the way that was just what I was used to and what I noticed and what I witnessed all the time. It was just something right. that was very real for us every day. But the television was our yeah. way to escape all of that. Right. Yeah, it was kind of a shield for you, you know, yes. like something to, like you said, you don't have to focus on what you're going through. So how did your unstable home life affect you as a young girl with um, your emotions and so on? Mm -hmm. I think I also alluded a little bit to that. It's as children, I believe mm -hmm. I'm not a psychologist, as I've shared uh, my, my background, I'm like, I had a law degree. I was an attorney for a long time, for almost 10 years. Um, right. So in terms of psychology, I think I think kids are more reactionary. They're just, kids won't be able to have that kind of self-awareness like right. we do as grown-ups, right, as adults. Right. We're not doing self-analysis on inflection and a reflection of what's going on. So I think what happens is, uh, as a child, what I did was I just automatically had my barriers up how do i yeah. deal with all this stuff how do i navigate all this and 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 i develop very strong psychological armor to either right. to to fight you know right. or to 
or to just just kind of dodge what's going on. Mm-hmm. Probably that's not, that's probably not a very good psychological analysis or whatever. But I think that's probably what happened. So sure. that kind of kind of you know I that's why I became such a fighter warrior kind of mentality, and that suited yes. me very well when mm. I became an. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. In your book, you shared that you were angry and you felt unloved. You know, I can imagine going through that uh, abuse and um, the home life that you had. It would be very hard to deal with that and those emotions. Um, Thank you for reminding me of that. You see, that's the thing. Like, I'm very good at stuffing things all the way down and not remember how hard it was. You know, that was my coping mechanism. Of course, yeah. You know, and, and when I was writing, of course, then it becomes very specific that, yeah, of course I was unloved. You know, my, my parents, they themselves were so unloved. And, sure. and you know, and so he, there there we were. We were kids we were just trying to survive on a day-to-day basis while they were trying to survive on a day-to-day basis. They were trying to survive, just just not kill each other, you know. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It, it yeah. was it's so bad. And see, you see, even right now, my coping mechanism is like it sounds kind of funny, but I use humor as well to deflect it. And and this is you know, but yes. but it is true. I mean, here I am. I'm like, you know, we'll have to get on out without business, and my parents were slugging it out. It right. So yeah. right, yeah, mm-hmm. and it it's pretty insane. But right, just but these are just coping mechanisms as exactly. children. Exactly. Yes. I, I, and I understand, you know, coming from a, a, a broken home myself, you know, my father left when I was 10 and um, married another woman and all that. I know the feeling of re- anger and rejection and bitterness and, you know, how you deal with it, especially as a young girl. You know, it's 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 not easy for a girl to go through the rejection of her father and anger and the bitterness and, you know, trying to figure things out. But like you said, I like what you said. You know, your parents were just coping. They didn't know any better. They didn't know what to do. I mean, we don't know what what they went through. Maybe I'm sure you do possibly. But, you know, you never know what someone is going through. Why did they do the things they do? But of course, they were just coping and trying to get along like you and I'm sure your brother was. Yes. So um, you were talking about where you lived in your apartment and how the garbage chute was next to your apartment. So growing up, there was a time when serial killers lived in your neighborhood. What was that about? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I know I opened... My, I, I started telling this, my own personal story in my book, and I right. opened the book with that. Yes. And it is absolutely crazy that mm. a serial killer, and if you Google him, you yes. can find him. I will, because it's right there in the archives mm-hmm. of Singapore history. His yeah. name is Adrian Lim, mm. and he was executed, of course, after he was caught and he was put on trial. And, mm. um, he, along with, I think, a couple of his accomplices, uh, wow. two other women. And so it's the oddest thing that he was actually operating in capturing young children. Okay. Using them as part of some sort of sacrifice, uh, some sort of sacrificial rituals. Wow. Yes. Uh, he was praying to certain certain gods. Mm. Hindu gods, and right. uh, I can't. I, off the top of my mind, I can't remember the names of those gods, but they mm-hmm. were part of rituals. This this right. paganistic, weird 
yeah, cult rituals. And so basically he was leading a very small little cult, but very destructive. So these women just bought into the lies that he said that he told. To, I, I don't know what he was trying to do, but basically there were quite a few children involved in yeah. this. And uh, I remember reading it in the papers that he was captured along with these women um, okay. after we moved out of this neighborhood. Wow. So my, the, the apartment complex that I was in is mm-hmm. uh, it's called block number 11. Okay. And this block was either 12 or 13, but literally, you know, 200 feet away. Wow. <laughs> so so, so they, were in, they were in your neighborhood when you lived there, but you didn't hear about this until you moved out of that apartment complex. Is that correct? No, no, wow. that is correct. That is correct. Yeah. And so because our apartments are so small, all the kids are just playing outside mm-hmm. the apartments, you know, and, uh, it's, it's, it could have been, it could have been that he could have walked by, picked me up or, or my brother could have done it because mm-hmm. apparently quite a few children went missing in, in our neighborhood. Goodness. Wow. So, so God's hand was shielding and protecting you. Amen. I mean, you don't even see those times, you know, that in life that we go through these things, but God was there, even when maybe you didn't even know him as Lord and Savior, but he was watching over you and protecting you, you know, for such a time as this. Amen. 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 So, Amen. Now, you mentioned your garbage chute, and it was right next to your house. Now, what was it they found in that garbage chute um, that you wrote in your book? They found a body. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, and, uh, that body wasn't found in the garbage chute, but it was found next okay. to the elevator that okay. was near our front door, the front oh. door of our apartment. Wow. So he disposed. Yeah, he murdered a child. Hmm. So gruesome. Uh, like He murdered a child, did, Gosh. you know, sexual mm-hmm. rituals and, and all sorts of horrible things. Mm-hmm. Really abomination. Mm-hmm. They mutilated the body. Gosh, and put it into parts and put them in a bag and disposed it simply by leaving it the remains <sighs> here, right next to the elevator wow. in our apartment complex where I live, where our family lived, and Great. this apartment, this the the elevator to this apartment complex was literally a few feet away from our door. Gosh. Well, praise God. He was watching out for you and and your brother, you know, thank God for that. So in your new book that you've mentioned, Kings on the Rise, you share that you made a decision to throw yourself into your studies. You know, growing up, you know, all that you've been through and that, but you made this decision. I'm going to just really study hard. What motivated you to do so? Well, it's it's again kind of funny to to say all this, and it might seem a little bit odd, but I'm actually honoring the memory of my father for everything that he's messed up in our lives. Yes, yes. and um, he was a brilliant man for for mm-hmm. all of his failings and the dysfunctionality mm-hmm. and the brokenness that was mm-hmm. in our family. Wow! Yeah, because he was broken. He wasn't mm-hmm. loved. He was abandoned. Just, so the, all this, of course, passed on to us, right? Like we were dealing with the abandonment and rejection and all that stuff. But because he was like this, but out of all of that messiness, mm-hmm. he was a very smart person. He was very intelligent. He didn't finish. We're not talking about high school. We're talking about elementary school. He didn't finish elementary school. 
And okay. he noticed that as a child, that yeah. apparently, you know, I was very mouthy. I had a lot to say. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and he kind of picked it up that I was articulate as a child mm-hmm. and talk a lot, basically. And he said, well, if you're going to put your gift to good use, it's probably best that you aim to be a lawyer. Wow. Or, yes, that's what he said to me as a child. Ten-year-old, I can remember that. You know, And he said, aim to be a lawyer. I think you're going to do very well as a lawyer because you have the ability to argue that black is not black but white. <laughs> So he said, wow. Chinese, right? Otherwise, you're going to end up being an, a, a useless gossip. That's what he said. A useless gossip monger. He said that in Chinese. <laughs> wow. It stuck with me out of all wow. that garbage, wow. right? All, all the stuff that he did. I am yes. thankful today that God used him to release wow. that word of life, that seed of life and Amen. Me. And wow. I and and I just I just latched onto that, and I knew okay, I think mm-hmm. I can do greater things. And so I'm like, first things first, I'm just gonna keep doing well in school. It wasn't hard for me in school. It wasn't hard, but I have a goal. That's a different yeah. thing when my father planted it inside of me, and then the goal became alive, and I just kept going towards it. Whereas in contrast, and this is really ironic, I've spent a lot of years just reflecting on that. Whereas mm-hmm. in contrast mom had a very different personality and I okay. love her to be, you know, she's yeah. been so wonderful and supportive. We've had a lot of, uh, you know, good years the last couple of decades. But at that time growing up, she was, she was trying to encourage me to, to stay down. Mm-hmm. Don't, roll, don't do anything that's too hard or too challenging. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> different perspective. Very different. So she was like, no, no, no. Go ahead and try to get some sort of a secretarial position. That's a good job. It's safe. You'll get a good salary. Or, you know, and, and of course, no disrespect to teachers. I love teachers. I'm a teacher myself. I'm a Bible yes. teacher myself. Yes. Like, go, go teach because you only have to do half a day's job and there's lots of vacation <laughs> within the year. There you go. <laughs> no. All that to me, I just thought, you know, firstly, I, you know, teaching at that time as a 10 year old, that didn't interest me. And, mm-hmm. But uh, I just retorted right away when she said, You're gonna, you, you should be a secretary. Mm-hmm. I just said, oh, I'm gonna get one myself. And of course, in the course of my career as an attorney, <laughs> and now, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, I have got so many assistants and people helping me that I'm very thankful for that. I absolutely love, you know, yes. but that was not meant, that was not meant to be my career. That was not meant exactly. to be exactly. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's amazing how somebody can affect our decision. You know, the things they say, how your father spoke those words over you and you ran with it. And obviously you became uh, an attorney. So God used his words to direct your path. You know, God was watching out for you. So by studying hard, you gained entry into a prestigious law profession. What was your yeah. personal life like at this time? Tell us about that season. Mm-hmm. Um, before I go there, I just want to uh, sure. give glory to the Lord. Amen. For his amazing ability to redeem the, the worst things in our lives. Yes. And um, I just, I just want to take that second just to, to thank yeah. the Lord and remember that, that the Lord used my dad, who was 
yeah. abusive. Yes. Who release so much dysfunction, hurt, rejection, abandonment, all the deep rooted issues that mm-hmm. affect almost being right and in my life very 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 much so he opened the you know but yet the lord was able to use his words to bring yeah. life in me Amen. and so i just want to give testimony to the lord's goodness yes. and his power to redeem Amen. his power of redemption to turn mm-hmm. evil into good in every one of us every one of our lives and yeah. so i just want to encourage every woman out there who has yes. been abandoned by their mm-hmm. dad or or living absentee, um, having experienced an absentee parent. I think many, many of us has done that. Yes. But nothing is wasted in the Lord's eyes, and His hand <laughs> of redemption is so powerful; He can turn it around. And so, He can use He if He used an abusive father in my case yeah. to bring so much life and to bring so much life to me to to aim yeah. for me to go high and and to break away from that poverty. So exactly. I just want the ladies to to press into the Lord's goodness and covenant. Amen. That's so good. I I love that. That's very encouraging. Thank you for sharing that. Okay. So again, by studying hard, you gained entry into a prestigious law profession. What was your personal life like at that time? Tell us about that season. At the university time or when I became an attorney? When you became an attorney. Like you you, you mentioned in your book, I think that you were in... um, Hong Kong, is that correct? Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. correct. I mean, yeah. but share whatever is on your heart, you, you know, mm-hmm. what you think yeah. would be beneficial. Yeah, I think, I believe the Lord has been exceedingly abundantly patient with me. Like mm-hmm. I did nothing, but, you know, I did very well for high school. So that allowed me to gain admission and entry into one of the best universities and one of the best law faculties in the world which is the National University of Singapore. It was really hard to get in. I think it was like, I think over a thousand applicants for 200, for for 200 spots. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so very, very happy to have gotten into that. But Mm -hmm. after that, I spent four years partying away. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Recuperate. (laughs) Okay. Recuperate. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah, but I <laughs> and trying to recuperate from the hard work that I that I invested with before yes. I got eighteen. You know, and so for four years I just did a whole a lot of partying. I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um and uh again the Lord has been so amazing. I and I wasn't saved at that time. Okay. But it was during that time that I met mm-hmm. a boyfriend that I was very in love with. Mm. And he was abusive, just like my dad. Wow. Really? Yeah. Okay. So I had a mind mindset as a unsafe person. Education is Mm -hmm. the key to getting me out of poverty and brokenness. To some extent, that's right. Mm -hmm. Until I I tried to do everything right. I got good grades. I got into a really good university. And then... Mm -hmm. Damn, I ran into somebody that was just like my dad and he is very highly educated and he is on his way to becoming uh, a, a very high ranking police officer, really smart, also in a law school along with me, one of my seniors, you okay. know, very, very smart. And and, um, and I couldn't understand how is it that I could have gotten into such a broken, destructive mm. relationship. And mm. I was going through what my mother was going through. Yes. Verbal, emotional abuse, and mm-hmm. occasionally 
not just occasionally, frequently physical abuse as well. Wow. And it was during that time, and I feel like this is such a spirit, Holy Spirit moment that I had to share my testament. That's how, that's how I started crying out for the Lord. I got, I think I was pushed by him in, in, in a very physical uh, dispute that we Mm -hmm. had fighting, we were arguing, and then he just pushed me. And, um, and I found myself on the rug, on on the carpet, crying Mm -hmm. and sobbing and literally crying out. Is there a God out there? If you are out there, would you get me out of this? Because if this continues on, I'm going to take my own life. That's why I was screaming and crying. You know, I didn't scream that out, but I was talking. Mm -hmm. I was calling out. Sure. Yeah. And true enough, a few weeks, the next weeks that followed, Mm-hmm. A lot of my friends from law school that were Christians and believers, they all reached out to me in a lot of love and supported me. And mm-hmm. within the of a year, I gave my life to Jesus. Wow, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, you know, so you ended the relationship, I'm assuming, as well, this abusive relationship? Yes, I was this close to calling on the police. I had people, the Lord was sending my friends to just show up out of nowhere sometimes mm-hmm. in the middle of the night at the university college dorm where he was mm-hmm. about to slug me and then a friend would just appear out of nowhere at, at the doorstep and diffuse yeah. certain kind of tension. But the point I'm trying to make is the Lord has never left me even though I went through all that stuff. And right. I didn't even know it at that time. I hadn't yeah. given my life to Jesus. Yes. And so, so a lot of close incidents where uh, I was going to call on the police. I reported. We, I had. I reported him to the the dean of law faculty. So a lot of things had to, had to happen before, mm-hmm. and uh, before there was a complete cut from this person because an abusive person they try to stalk you, they try to terrorize right. you, they, they don't try to let you go. And I remember I had to I had to get into another relationship with another boyfriend and another young man who mm-hmm. was able to in and say you do not call her ever again or pass her and that just stopped all his calls so okay you know all these people are i i don't know if he was a believer i don't think so you know all all of these people were not yes. believers but god right. used them to yes. take care of and yeah to keep from harm you know you know real mm-hmm. harm in so i came through all of that amen that's awesome now, now you state in your book that you met your husband during this time. Is that correct? The man you married, your late husband. Yes. And so after my, my tumultuous time at the university, I actually graduated. Oh, <laughs> That's something to celebrate. Wow. <laughs> yes, I actually managed to graduate. And so yes. um, <laughs> when I graduated, I, I just plunge myself into work and coming back to your question earlier on. Sure. Um, you know, I party a lot during college. Also, mm. all these crazy relationships going on, very messed up. Like I said, I mm. didn't know Jesus at all. Um, and, and when I got out, I realized I really enjoyed work. And that mm. was something that I didn't, you know, didn't really understand, but I really enjoyed the, mm. the it had this fulfillment in getting a good job done and, mm-hmm. and, and getting compliments, uh, encouraging feedback from yeah. clients, from bosses, you know, okay. I, I that, that got me going. Um, mm-hmm. And I realized that I had no problems working 
12, 13, 14 hours to try and get a case together, or if I had mm. a better to present to court and I was representing a client, um, you know, and, and I had to do all this research, it didn't, it didn't face me. It didn't face me. I would just keep going until I get it done. Wow. That's great. That's awesome. Okay. So, so you, you made the decision, you gave your life to the Lord, you cried out to God in that, um, that terrible time you went through. So from then, how, how did your healing journey begin from all that you went through in your, in your childhood? What, what took place? Mm -hmm. So I made a big decision to move from Singapore to Hong Kong. Okay. And just back up a little bit before I moved to Hong Kong, I became a believer, you know, with all the stuff that was going on. And then within a matter of a year, I graduated and I became, and I gave my life to Jesus. And within mm -hmm. another year, mm -hmm. I wasn't so well discipled, but I was still a disciple, some sort of disciple, a young believer. Sure. Yeah. And then I went on to Hong Kong because the opportunity was there for me to, to have a very good salary as an, as an entry level attorney. Um, yeah. And I just went for it. I just went for it because mm -hmm. the opportunity was there. Uh, yes. I went to Hong Kong. And I worked, and I had uh, a pretty good career. A little bit of job hopping, <laughs> just a little bit of lateral. We call it lateral movement, you know? sure. but yeah, you know. But basically, I had wonderful exposure um, mm -hmm. as as an attorney, and it was those years that I met my husband. Okay. Uh, Nothing is nothing when it comes to my life, nothing was ever smooth sailing. It always had to go through a lot of highs and lows and bumps. Mm -hmm. you know? and which is why I said that the Lord has always been mm. so unfailing in his love towards me and so patient because you know yes. I'll make tremendous progress and then I'll just go right back to some crazy stuff yeah. <laughs> that is yeah. very unbecoming of an obedient disciple. But you know what? It didn't matter to him. It didn't matter to him. His love. Mm -hmm. Yeah, enough. You know, and so I slipped right far off. You know, I, I didn't go to church that regularly because, you know, it mm -hmm. didn't really matter to me that much. I didn't have a f strong foundation in the word. Yeah. You know, and, and when I met my husband, I was at that time my boyfriend, a German, young German mm -hmm. lawyer. You know, okay. Like me, we are both from the profession. We just clicked mm -hmm. and I was so in love, you know, and uh, mm. you know, we dated, we dated for a few years and then we fell out of, we, 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 we broke up with each other. We, we had a separation. Mm -hmm. He okay. couldn't, um, he, it was hard for him. He wasn't spiritual. He didn't have any faith at that time. And mm -hmm. uh, he couldn't deal with what I was expecting of him mm -hmm. to, to step into the Christian faith. Yes. And, uh, and that just completely broke us. Okay. And when that happened, I was so disillusioned myself in terms of my faith mm -hmm. that it took me five years. I walked away from the Lord for five years. Uh, I didn't share this in the book. No. Yeah. So we broke up in 1998. Mm -hmm. And I did not go back to the Lord until 2003, around that time. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So what brought you back to the Lord? When I moved to Germany, then I got mm -hmm. married. Mm -hmm. That was the time when I started working in another law firm in Frankfurt. Mm -hmm. I think I felt very, very depressed. Okay. Uh, that was when I, when I faced a lot of very challenging uh, situations with, within the German law firm. It wasn't a German law firm, excuse me. There was a British law firm that's located mm -hmm. in 
in Frankfurt in the city. And of course, that was a very, very high pressure job. Uh, also, with the whole transition with uh, I have to, to operate in German at the same time, I had to work in it was hard, you know, with a whole plus mm-hmm. a lot of petty jealousy going on um, in terms of uh, work, you know, work projects and stuff like that. And there was a lot of dispute. And mm-hmm. for the Time after being away from the Lord for so long, yeah. I really missed him. I really felt that there was that my my husband at the time we mm-hmm. got married. He wasn't able to support me, and I had to turn my inner voice mm-hmm. to him again. You know, okay. and that pushed me like that pushed me you know, stripped of all my pride, stripped of yes. all my self pity and whatever. Then mm-hmm. I was ready to seek out my father. Right. Amen. And in your book, you share that you really got deep into the Word of God during this time. You began really reading the Word, studying the Word. How did that affect your life? I didn't start doing that until another 10 years later. (laughs) Really? Okay. (laughs) Yeah, so, which is what I meant by how the Lord, you know, today I am what I am because I have experienced immense love and patience for me. Amen. one person that is most unworthy of his love. So even though I came back to church, I came back to having some sort of life of of faith with the Lord. You know, I wasn't stable. I wasn't, um, you know, we went on to have kids and, um, you know, we went on to, uh, we went on to have kids and, and, and that took another few years of fighting, struggling with uh, unstable Mm life as well in my own family because I started experiencing the kind of problems that my parents faced right you know the generational sins that have passed on you know mm-hmm. because I haven't received the full healing from the mm-hmm. Lord yeah and mm-hmm. because I kept walking away from him you know coming mm-hmm. back walking away. and so from around I, I think uh, let me just be a little bit more precise from around 2003 when I got back to the Lord and all the way through to 2008 and nine in, mm-hmm. around those time around those years i i got into um inner healing yes. deliverance that sort of ministry so yes. it was 10 years that that I, I that my my faith stabilized was around yeah five six years you know mm-hmm. and uh and and once i got into uh, that kind of ministry where i received a lot of healing mm. so very very deep seated wounds were cleaned up Okay, that's awesome. And so, like, it was like a a fog just lifted, yeah. Around 2008 and 2009, and suddenly, after all these years, I've been saying that I love Jesus, but Mm -hmm. I wasn't able to have that love for His Word and what He said over me. And the moment that clicked, yeah, suddenly all of who I am as an attorney, you know, the ability to digest and consume words that came alive for me. Wow. That's awesome. That's awesome. So you experienced freedom. A lot of freedom. A lot of freedom. That's awesome. True hunger for the Lord. And that was, that's what's missing. Yes. That's what's missing. Exactly. Talk about, um, where's the first love? Where's the first love? It's because we are not hungering enough for him and his word. Yeah. And that just, when that lifted, I was just ingesting volumes mm-hmm. and volumes. And <laughs> it's easy for me because, you know, as an attorney, I just read it a lot. This is just, it's just yeah. how we are trained. 
Yeah. And, and for the first time I'm like, Oh wow. That's why Lord, the Lord told me to become a lawyer because you know, I love reading the word. It's, it's fun. It's easy. Um, that's true. Right. His burdens are light. Amen. Like, wow. When we give it to the Lord, he just lifts that from us and and heals and restores. So, um, Mwai, let's fast forward a bit. So as the Lord healed and restored your life, you began stepping out in ministry. Share with us what happened during this exciting time of your life. How did you step into that? Um, yes. So as I, as I started ingesting the word, then in, I was also uh, very grounded and, and rooted in a couple of Bible study groups at my church at the time, mm-hmm. the the leaders started noticing that uh, that it'll be a t- it'll be the right time for me to step up to start leading. So my first brush with ministry is really leading Bible study, just like a lot of a lot of moms that serve at church, and that's what sure. a lot of leaders do. And so, but at the same time, uh, not to minimize it in any way, it was so good to build the right mm-hmm. foundation. To, yes. For me to pick up tools to study the word, and um, and and, and pick up tools to serve mm-hmm. everybody that comes to the group, but whatever group they are. At some at one point, I was leading like I don't know, I was like leading five groups of ladies, 40, 50 <laughs> ladies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it might be that I was serving these ladies. I might right. be giving the word. I might be preaching. I might be teaching mm-hmm. them. But at the same time, it was very humbling because I was still responsible for making sure that the, the, the toilets are clean so that they can use them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, wear all the hats. Yep. Yeah, all the hats, all the yeah. hats. Exactly. <laughs> so that the toilet papers and the toilet rolls are in place. <laughs> and yeah. the, yeah. the coffee is done. <laughs> yeah, awesome. So, yeah, so yeah that's so... Ministry, yeah. It's serving. Okay, awesome. Mm-hmm. So that's so awesome that God takes our broken lives you know he mends us and restores us and over a period of time maybe a long period of time he began to heal and restore you to raise you up and even in your book you you quote that scripture in the book of Esther for such a time as this you know so God is um, using you he takes what is broken and he puts it back together so beautifully it's like a masterpiece what what God can do with our lives you know it doesn't matter what we've been through it doesn't matter how much Uh, trials and and tribulations we have on this earth. God still wants to use each and every one according to their destiny. God has a plan and a purpose for, you know, each and every lady that's watching this broadcast. And even we have men watch the broadcast. I mean, God can speak to them and touch them and and raise them up. And I just love, um, I love your story. It's a, you know, it's a wonderful story, but your story doesn't end there. You know, but I do want to um, go to this uh, question. It's, I, I love what you wrote in your book, and I've been reading your book, and it, it's really good. I went through it um, quickly, and ladies, you need to get this book, and why you will share about this at the end of our broadcast. But I, I love what you wrote in the book, Kings on the Rise. You said, and I quote, As I prospered spiritually, I began to flourish financially. What took place during this incredible time? Yes. So what happened was, as I studied the word, I became appraised of some very key principles to prospering. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Um, like sewing very strategically, consistently, understanding uh, good ground principles. Uh, just just to give a, a teaser, uh, and I spoke with my husband at the time, who was doing very well as an attorney as well mm-hmm. as very good as a provider. That it was really important that we start using, applying some of these biblical principles, right. and. Of course, to cut a long story short, we had he, we had a lot of disagreement as to what these principles are and how to apply, how to interpret, because mm-hmm. space level was not the same as, mm-hmm. as where I was. But once we came into agreement and we started mm-hmm. applying these principles, and as we were also walking out our own personal healing journey, mm-hmm. him and I, you know, we were getting more and more united in mm-hmm. our viewpoints. We're more and more united, and we have more and more agreement in... Uh, understanding theology, biblical principles. Okay. And the more we work closely in agreement and unity, and we're able to apply those principles in the area of real estate, which was where we ventured into real okay. estate. And the Lord just blessed us so much, blessed mm-hmm. his career, blessed the real estate investments that we made. Mm-hmm. Um, so a very small example was, I think I remember it was uh, 2009 and 10. I learned about Genesis 12, okay. where the Lord said, I'll bless those that bless you and curse those that curse you. And he okay. was, this was also in reference with the Jewish nation. I remember that at that time, Daystar Television was going to broadcast into Israel and mm-hmm. they were asking for seed. Um, I wanted to put 1,000 US dollars as a seed to to go into that because somehow I didn't understand fully, but I understand it was really significant for the mm-hmm. gospel broadcast into Israel with this particular channel, right? And for the gospel to go into the the, the Israelite nation into mm-hmm. Israel, no longer Israelite mm-hmm. nation, Israel yeah. was very significant. I wanted to sow into that, and I told my husband at that time. I said, "Let's put that thousand dollars aside to put it in there." It's not about the money. He he didn't really understand what is the point of, of sewing. We 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 did have an argument about it, and but we agreed mm-hmm. that I was going to take money out of my own savings and put that seed, okay, into, into this this particular cause. Yeah. And the moment I did that, mm-hmm. his career just suddenly blossomed. He couldn't even explain it. Suddenly, the 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 Jewish partners in New York mm-hmm. that influential and responsible for promoting young right. partners mixed level they started mm-hmm. turning attention to him okay wow and suddenly he had a lot of favor and he had their ears and he couldn't mm-hmm. even explain it but he told me so that's how i knew about it <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> wow. he, saw, he saw the demonstration of wow. the power of god's word and seed that's awesome that's that's really profound well Sadly, um, you write in your book, your late husband passed away in October 2018. Would you share with our viewers what transpired and how that affected you personally? Um, yes, he uh, he had depression. Okay. Was at the height of his career and hmm. he had depression. Okay. Until this day, I don't know who and what. I don't think anybody really knows the reasons as to why of course uh, a person gets depression and mm-hmm. um, 
all I knew was that he was at the top of his game in, in very simple terms. He was at the top of his game. He was at the pinnacle of his career okay. when, when he got depression. Mm. Um, and I think just, for, just to reconcile um, feeling like he wasn't able to function fully at his best, right? that, that really affected him. Okay. Uh, he was, I would say, sick for about six months or so. And we mm -hmm. thought his way to recovery, um, but then he decided to, to give it up and uh, he took his life uh, wow. in October 2018. Wow. That's so sad. I'm sorry to hear that. And But how did you navigate through this challenging time? I mean, it must have been something no one expects it, right? I mean, I mean, I mean, it's so difficult to even imagine putting yourself or myself in your shoes. So how did you navigate through this challenging time? Yeah, that, that was a it, it, it all I can all like when I look back I can I see all that trauma uh, that, right. that just basically just keep pushing through and pushing past my son mm. was my younger son was 10 my mm. older son was 13 mm -hmm. my younger son together with my mom at that time she was supporting us at home found his body in oh. the garden shack at home oh. um but looking back, I, I really see how the Lord again enveloped us mm -hmm. in in His protection and in His healing. Yeah. Um, all I knew was I was crying out to Him every day. I was in between trying to uh, trying to just get things done because He left behind quite a quite a mess because it wasn't we weren't prepared. We weren't prepared. Sure. And I, we already embarked on our uh, investment projects. I already started working. I started uh, building our portfolio, our investment portfolio. So we were both doing our parts. You know, he would be taking care of tax and legal. I'll be doing uh, the projects. I was uh, doing flipping. I was flipping mm -hmm. small apartments here in, in Frankfurt. I was working with the contractors. I was working with the architects. Um, and I was managing all those renovation projects. Uh, plus, I was also managing the accounting a little bit. So mm -hmm. when he left, we had our multifamily, whatever, plus also all his life that I had to pick up all those pieces, his life that he just, that he, you know, he basically walked out of. Um, right. So yeah. all of that, I was just, I'm just thankful that, that I was a mess emotionally, but intellectually, sure. you know, I had that determination. And that comes from my training and my background. That right. I had to keep powering through and trying to pick up all the pieces and, and doing managing the entire estate instead mm -hmm. of hiring somebody from the outside to take care of that. And that's okay. what I did. You know, so yeah. every single day I'll call out to the Lord and I, and I hear his voice just saying to me, very, keep it simple, keep it moving, keep it simple, keep it simple, keep moving. I'm right here with you. Just very, very small, still voice and very simple directions because there was just so much for me to, to handle that yeah. all I did was to feel his love and, and him steering me through all yes. of that. Yeah. Wow. And so that's what I did. I, I, I had to work 24-7. It really wasn't a choice. That, right. Oh, you know, 
I have time for morning. I have no time for morning. When I was driving my kids and picking them up from school, or I'll 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 be crying, or you know, or that yes. that sort of stuff. Like, I'll just you know, I'll just let the tears flow as he direct as he, yeah. Right. And so I, I had to handle morning and everything else. Yeah. Yeah. I know it sounds a little bit kind of odd that you know no. it's not usual way that people mourn, but I think uh, mm-hmm. women have a strength that God has given us as well. Yeah. The ability yeah. to function in spite of tragedy, I think the Lord has given that to us. Yeah. Well, you know, God's peace, you know, Him speaking that into your ear, you know, keep it simple, take it slowly. I mean, that is so amazing. Like, those few little words that God spoke into your heart and to your spirit, that's what carried you through. To be able to do, to handle all of the affairs that needed handled, I mean, you can't just walk out on that. You have two children, you have a family you have to take care of. And, you know, God gave you that strength and your and the mindset you had even though it was a traumatizing time and of course you're mourning um, but you still were able to carry on and to slowly pick up the pieces um, so that's an amazing testimony um, and I remember there was one time that I was so tired just standing in I was uh, firstly I was doing grocery shopping at 10 p.m at night because I was yeah. <laughs> much to do and at 10 p.m i'm gonna put the meal together for my boys oh, <laughs> yes and that's happening just not as mad as before right yeah but I remember that the, the kind of exhaustion the sheer exhaustion of, of being suddenly being a, a a widow parent a single mom you know plus trying to can, handle business and an estate and all that kind of stuff and but out of all that i i never doubted that god loved me and, and was taking care of us mm-hmm. yeah that's awesome. I mean, when we focus on our problems, the mountain seems so big. But when we focus on our God, He surpasses those mountains that are in front of us and helps us to carry on and to pick up our cross and, and to carry on and follow Him. And, and, you know, just, you know, sometimes I know many people out there, I myself have been through a lot of difficult things in my life. But you can't quit. I mean, I remember being in ministry and things happening within our family that were just so devastating. And I'd say to God, well, how can I do this? How can I get up there and and speak to all these people when I'm going through this? But God said, you have to do it. You have to keep pushing. And it was those things, I think, and those things in our lives, if we just keep pushing through, you know, God gives us the victory. Otherwise, we just sit back and we grow deeper and, and more sorrow, and we really don't get anywhere, you know, and it, it doesn't benefit anyone. Although we need time for mourning, you know, but we have to look at the reality of life. What are we going to do? Are we going to sit here? Or are we going to move forward? And you made that choice that even though you were going through that, you moved forward, you kept moving, you, you took it slow, but God helped you through. So, you know, yeah. you've had to over. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, I didn't want to interrupt you, but I want to. I want to make it clear to to the viewers that it's not sure. my own strength. I yeah. also had the benefit of some very powerful prophetic visions, which I didn't sure. really cover that specifically in the book because this is relating more to my personal healing. Um, yes. With the book, it was more related to the theme of the book, but okay. with our exchange right now, I just want to remind people that uh, that the Lord actually gave me a very specific vision in mm. when I was at the Sea of Galilee uh, mm-hmm. on my tour 
and that was about three weeks before my husband passed. Okay. And I had a vision. Uh, everybody was was dancing and 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 cheering and you know doing mm-hmm. some amazing dances on the boat. Yes. Yes. On the bonus, four was so fun, but I mm. wasn't able to get into it. And suddenly, the Lord just led me into a spirit of mourning, and mm. He just showed me you know, like a wide open vision. Literally, I was standing mm. at the edge of the boat. He just showed me drowning, like I was mm. in the sea, like literally drowning. And and He just and I was wondering, what is this all about? Is it because my husband was not well? He's he was going through depression. Sure, I was just drowning, and I saw Him just reaching out and picking me out of the water you know and i was just really comforted by him of course Mm -hmm. that tragedy struck three weeks later Mm -hmm. and that that just put a lot of things into perspective and and those were one of those powerful visions that have also really allowed me to power through many months of pain yeah and i just want to encourage people to press in into the lord the Holy Spirit can deliver amazing, amazing vision. And, and in fact, later on, he even showed me not just that he pulled me out of the water. He he actually literally was walking with me on the water. Like yes. his yeah. yeah, that's awesome. That's very, very awesome. So you've had to overcome a lot in your lifetime. Let's talk about the time when you were scammed out of a significant amount of money. And as I read in the book, it was shortly after your husband's passing. Mm-hmm. Correct. What happened? Mm-hmm. My mind was was in the fog. I I couldn't really think very clearly. I tried. I tried my best. What what I I did what I could to, for mm-hmm. instance, do all the paperwork with regards to um, his passing and what he's left behind, and trying to sort out a lot of different things. But mm-hmm. I think what pushed me into that was a fear that the Lord had to take care of later on, of course, a fear of scarcity that, oh my gosh, 95% of our household income dissipated overnight. Wow. Mm. So everything we were building in terms of the real estate, trying to build real estate income to replace mm-hmm. what he was, we weren't there yet. We weren't, which is why I said, like, you know, that nobody was prepared for him to do something like we had years and years of like, we were going to plan to do this and that. And no, everything was aborted. Our plans were aborted. Mm-hmm. And, and so I had this fear, torrent fear that, Oh my gosh, where am I going to find you know, the income to take care mm-hmm. of our family? Our kids mm-hmm. were in private schools, mm-hmm. expensive you know, yes. children. Private school, we're talking about like over 30,000 euros per child per year that's just that's just you know and i think our our kids have gone too far down the road of private schooling to be able to pull them out and put them into german schools i'm I'm sure i would have done it if necessary but you know i didn't think we were you know but still i wanted to maintain the same lifestyle and that that sort that pushed me to looking for uh streams of income in places Mm -hmm. that i wouldn't have done so in in a, in a regular normal situation. Yes. Um, of course, with my husband not being there, then the the partner to to brainstorm, strategize, and to think things through was not there right. because that was how we, we functioned very well as a couple. Uh, we were okay. very good partners together as well, and, uh, mm-hmm. and I didn't have that. So so 
yeah, I, um, there were some people that there were some, I, I believe now looking back, it was a, a probably a, a team of people that were reaching out to me and giving me opportunities to, to invest and uh, invest in certain loans that were promising very high returns. And I never mm. met these people, you know, like I couldn't, couldn't really huh? assess, but I was so desperate to get that income that promised 20% uh, loan interest that I just mm. went right ahead, you know, okay. and, and somehow the money didn't come back and I just kept putting in more and more money. It's like, you know, throwing good money after bad and it and the hole just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, and by the time I realized, oh my gosh, there's something severely wrong, you know, severely wrong with this whole situation. I I'm I'm I, I want to write a book about this someday. It's it's yeah. it's there's just so many people that have been scammed, maybe in different situations, whether it's a romantic scams or right, but mine was more like an economic, like a financial yes. one. I I thought I could make money, but I, mm-hmm. I couldn't. You know, and yeah. I realized that I was scammed. By the time I realized that it was way too late, I, was, I had I lost four hundred fifty thousand dollars. Wow! Wow! And I remember the one thing that the Lord led led me to was absolutely powerful and amazing. I, I did spend some time, of course, you know, uh, trying to seek help, trying to seek prayer, and I did have did get some very very strong, powerful prophet, prophetic words from my apostle and his wife that really. There was a warning and said, "Look, I think there's something. You know, you, you you seem to be going through certain things." And and they prayed, and a lot of things also broke off. And I, and I think I was I'm very very sure about that. Also, uh, another shout out to another very very good brother, David Herzog, who uh, was with him that I traveled to Israel. And so they prayed amazing prayers over me. Then suddenly that fog just again just mm-hmm. cleared up, and I was able to think. Clearly. And the Lord showed me Isaiah 45 that he said, he gave me a revelation that till this day I'm hanging on and, and I keep mm-hmm. seeing miracles. Continually. It's like, it, it, basically there is no such thing as lost money. He just gave me the revelation that, you know, if he yeah. has just the promise to have uh, secret riches and hidden treasures, mm-hmm. it means yes. that it doesn't matter where money is, it's somewhere mm-hmm. in the economy. And as believers we can call that forth from Amen. any realm any realm mm-hmm. and so I yes. stood on that I stood on that and I and 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 um I stood on that I call forth this the hidden riches even if it's stolen from me that yes. money belongs to me in the spiritual realm and I called it back plus exactly. I, did, I doubled down on sewing when it was painful okay. I doubled down on Good. Yeah. Good advice. I mean, since I've read that in your book, um, actually that scripture came to lot alive to both Glenn and I, and we've both been praying because we've had things that have been lost or stolen and, um, maybe not physically stolen, but, and you know, stolen that the enemy is taken. And, um, so we've been doing the exact same thing. We're just reminded, you know, of God's promises. And and I love what you said. The money is out there. It's not gone. It's out there. It's in God's kingdom. And God restores, you know, so gracefully and so mercifully to us all that we've lost. So that's awesome. You really bounced back. And you know how much I I was restored. I mean, like after at the end of that year, I managed to sell my house. And that was 10 times. Wow. Wow. So he restored over and over again. Praise God. That's such such good news. I'm excited for you and your boys. Um, what a blessing. So just in closing, a couple couple things. Um, as was mentioned earlier, your home wasn't a restful haven as a young girl. 
Your dad was an alcoholic and very abusive. Did you ever reconcile with your father? Yes, I did. It took a long time. We we had about two decades of separation or very, very, very low contact. Very okay. low contact. Mm-hmm. And in about 2004, when I was pregnant with my first child, mm-hmm. um, he served us a court notice to sue my brother and I for parent support. Not child support, but parent support. <laughs> oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. Yes, and and I remember I just lost my job. I was pregnant with my first child. I just lost my job. Mm-hmm. I I was laid off as a as an after working for two years here in Frankfurt, and they just didn't need mm-hmm. my services anymore. Um, and Mario, my late husband at the time, he was just going through the ranks of of um, his growth trajectory as a partner. But he he wasn't making a lot of money, so money was still very tight on a lot of fronts. And and oh. I remember how stunning it was for me to get that that court notice um Gosh. it was very painful again another act of betrayal we feel you know after what yeah. we've endured with it growing up and yeah and to get that uh, uh another form of abuse but it actually mm-hmm. opened up and paved the way for us to reconcile in a few years wow. it actually did. Really? <laughs> awesome. so how did that come about we just persisted. I think my, my brother and I, we, I remember flying down to Singapore and we both prayed about this. And for, the mm-hmm. first thing we did was that we extended an olive branch to him during the court mediation and said, and, and I prepared all the, pa- the papers and the arguments to, to show the court what the past was like. Unfortunately, it's not something I want ex- to, to present. Sure. But this is, these are the facts. I'm not about mm-hmm. to give him $2,000, a month because he asked for it. You know? right. Right. <laughs> that was what he was asking for, you know, mm-hmm. but we agreed that he's, he doesn't, his, his level, his standard of living doesn't require that much money and we can't afford to pay him that much and he doesn't deserve it, to be honest. Right. Yes. I mean, that was what we presented to the court at the time, but we were willing to give him some amount of money. And that mm-hmm. was our way of extending an olive branch, branch to him at that time. And we gave, my brother and I started giving him some money to, to support okay. his, his, even though we weren't in contact for many years. And, and that, that was a small key to him softening and us just talking again. And okay. a few years down the road, then I got healing as I've, written uh as i got got healing my heart was healed my heart was overfilled and overflowing with his with god's unconditional love i had so much i could reach out to my very broken father who was 79 years old at that time wow that is so awesome so so your father um received the the olive branch so to speak yes and that is a and i think i've written to you about that that story that um I yeah. remember having a conversation on the phone with him. It was one day before Good Friday around yes. 2010, 2009. I can't remember which year it was, but mm-hmm. I had love for him in my heart. We already started talking. We started visiting him once a year kind of thing, but it wasn't yeah. bitter like a few years back when he's, when he, right. uh, you know, when he sued us. So, but at least we had some sort of normal conversation and that particular Thursday, I remember reaching out to him and telling him 
all this under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, telling him how sorry I was and owning wow. my part of being a daughter that neglected her father. And that was me. And I repented wow. for that. Right. I repented on the phone for that. And the moment I said that, he just broke down and he started crying. Wow. And he said, I'm sorry for the way I've treated your mom all those years ago. Um, please mm -hmm. tell her to me. So she, he right. said that to me on the phone. And I said, the reason why I can reach out to you is because I'm filled with the love of Jesus. And yeah. uh, I hope you see that our lives have really prospered, even though we grew up disadvantaged compared yes. to many other families. But it's absolutely amazing how after all these years, we're living a life that, that we could have only dreamed of as, as a child. And right. um, it's because of the presence of God in my life. And now God mm -hmm. has told me to reach out to you in love. Yeah, and he was he was moved, and and so he was so moved that he agreed to go to church the next day with a girlfriend of mine in Singapore. Wow, wow, that's awesome! So your father, um, you, you've mentioned to me that he did receive the Lord that summer. Savior. Yes, that summer I went down to Singapore. I accompanied mm -hmm. him to go to a church, and uh, mm -hmm. a pastor was able to explain the gospel in in the terms that he was able to accept. But he was already mm -hmm. ready. He was already ready. Mm -hmm. And uh, was very. I could see him softening because we reconciled. That was like, the, for him, the fact that we reconciled yeah. our back his life again, that was for him probably his healing. And so he was ready to receive the Lord. And, wow. and he, he, he opened up and said that, well, I told my daughter I'm not going to go back to the Chinese temple. I won't. And I'm very happy <laughs> to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. <laughs> Wow, praise God. God used you to pave the way for your dad to receive the Lord. That's so amazing. What I love about what you shared was most people wouldn't have reached out like you did to your father because you were the one who was abused. You, I mean, if you look at your life as an individual, you were in abuse. You were abused. You were neglected um, yes. by your father. The words he spoke. But God used your words. He, he shifted your heart. He changed your heart in the natural. It's not the natural thing to do. Like, I'm going to go and apologize to my father. Some people out there might be saying, why would you apologize to your father? What did you do? But, you know, it's true. I mean, I've come from a broken home and I understand uh, what you're saying because I, too, have had to do the same thing. You know, and when you did that, when you reached out to your dad and you took that first step to reconciliation, you know, then everything unfolded. God healed your father. I mean, he broke down, he cried, you know, and he came to the place where he went to church. You know, he began to open up his heart. He even said, you know, tell your mother, I'm sorry for all I did. You know, like, so his, in his heart, he was repentant. He was sorry for his actions. And because of you and the life, you know, it's like Joseph, what he went through, what Joseph went through, all he suffered, all the things that happened against him, and he didn't do anything wrong. You know, he might have boasted too much, um, you know, in his life. But, I mean, really, he, he was... He lived a righteous life. He didn't sin with Potiphar's wife. His brothers, you know, hated him because he was chosen by God. Um, but yet he still remained faithful. And because of that, his lifeline was saved. And because of what you've done, look at how you've changed even the general 
generational curses, the things that were upon your life that may have been um, brought down through your generation of your children had you not shifted, had you not changed your path that you chose to walk on. So, I I mean, that's an incredible story of redemption. You know, what God has done, even though you've been through so much, and I'm sure you're just beginning, you're just on the verge of what God is going to do in you and through you. I mean, I can sense that, you know, he's going to take your story and it's going to be used worldwide. I I believe that, Y.E., that God will use your story to touch and mend broken lives and bring healing and restoration, to bring people to a place where they can say, you know, yeah, I've been wronged, but Jesus was wrong, too. Jesus was being bruised. I mean, our Savior went through so much suffering, and he led the perfect life. Um, But he will use your story to encourage and um, build up others, to set people free. The deliverance that you've received, others will receive from you as well. I believe that. So I'm just very blessed to have you today. So in closing, I would like you to share just briefly about your book, you know, what it's about so people can get a hold of it and also what you're doing today. I'm an, a global investor. Um, I started out with doing real estate investments within Frankfurt Mm -hmm. and mentioned in passing that I built a portfolio of investments with my late husband for the past decade. And Mm -hmm. after he passed, I restructured everything so that Mm -hmm. that has given me the resource and to put me into a position to start investing outside of Germany. And so the last few years I've developed an international portfolio of investments. I am investing in tech and Mm -hmm. I'm investing in real estate in the U S um, mm-hmm. Just yesterday, I put down a reservation fee for a property in the UK. <laughs> I yeah. bought land in Cayman Islands. Um, what the Lord has taught me is I have the mindset of a king, just like what my late husband do. Yeah. And not only that, it is totally biblical to have the mindset of a king. The, because Jesus, mm. he is his title, the king of kings. Amen. So who are the plural kings is actually mm. you and I, but all of us have the spiritual DNA of Jesus mm. Christ because we are made in their image. Mm. And, and not only in their image, in the new covenant, we have the exact DNA of mm. Jesus Christ. And he's yeah. the ruler. And we are reigning and ruling as, as it is in Ephesians. We are reigning and ruling right alongside him. And many of us, in the body of Christ are actually called to step up to this, this position of leadership because mm-hmm. for a long time, what a Ad, long time ago, Adam gave leadership over to Satan. Yes. And the last mm-hmm. 6,000 years, we're just trying to pick yeah. up the piece and recover that. And so this whole revelation, this revelatory teaching that the Lord has mm-hmm. given me, is that Mm -hmm. there are many believers that are meant to be kings for Christ and to build wealth for the kingdom. Mm -hmm. And it is time that people start putting the crowns onto their heads, the crowns that Jesus has meant for them, has earmarked for them in heaven. They are to pick up the crowns and put them on their head because there are positions of leadership that Mm -hmm. are meant for them. And they are not going to their posts. And it's time that they pick up their posts. It could be in the area of, I don't know, medicine, a, a mm-hmm. particular doc 
doctor that's meant to be a leader in the area of medicine or an engineer. And But the area that I have a lot of uh, empathy and sympathy of for is, is in the area of tech as well. Like in the area of tech, there are so few believers as well. That's why I put money. I seed, I right. seed a lot of money into tech companies that have okay. uh, amazing technology. But what the point that I'm trying to make is this is something that is that hasn't really been taught from the pulpit. We are known as kings and priests. Yeah. There are many priests all over the world. Every pastor, every, well, priest, yes. priest. You know, and the, mm-hmm. there's all these, and even the fivefold offices, apostles yes. and teachers and pastors, evangelists, these are all the priestly function. Mm-hmm. But they're not, there's not a lot of teaching on kings and in fact i was just sitting at the last teaching in the community kingdom community group and and the, mm-hmm. that particular teacher that particular speaker was just saying right that and and the lord has impressed upon me because i have kind of figured it out you know hacked the code so to say. <laughs> you know yeah. how does feed in life you know right. and i should hiding about that because we have been hiding behind a lot of shame connected Mm. with well prosperity because it has been taught in a very unbalanced way so we don't really want to teach about prosperity but you know what this is the time that believers need to rise up take up their positions of leadership and to build a lot of wealth because we're coming into darker and darker times and we need to building wealth we need to be gathering recovering territory for the Lord and yes. to recover influence amen as wealth amen okay well, well in closing you know um i just like to say thank you once again for uh, being my guest on girl talk we're so blessed to have had you and to share for you to share your insight and your life's journey what you've been through um i know it will be encouraging to many that are watching and many that will watch in the future. So I thank you for that. So why don't we, in closing, Ye, why don't you just look into the camera and pray for our viewers today, whatever God puts on your heart. Thank you, Father. Thank you so much, Lynn. Thank you. Thank you for having me again. Let me just pray for everybody. Let me just, um, Father, I just thank you thank for you. every person that yes. is going to be watching this broadcast. Father, I thank you that it is not a coincidence that I mm. get to sit here with this amazing woman of God to share my story. It is such an honor, and it is the biggest honor to give glory back to you for all that you have done in my life and all the redemption. And Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I just proclaim that everything that the locusts have stolen from the viewers of this particular show, that everything that the locusts have devoured, Father, you are going to restore sevenfold in the name of Jesus. And Father, I ask for revelation, I ask for insight, and I ask for, in particular, deep healing, deep healing, deep healing in the area of abandonment and rejection. Because you have set me free from all of these deep-seated wounds, and, and you have allowed me and you have poured out so much redemption every evil thing that has that the enemy has meant for me you have turned it into good and i decree and declare it that the same the same mm-hmm. is available for appropriation by the viewers of this of the show and so lord i ask that you go in and heal those broken hearts yeah. you go you, you put your hand upon the hearts that are broken 
that you will sew up the wounds, that you will pour out your love and let your love just overflow in every broken heart that is watching this program. And that, Lord, you are going to start a powerful work of redemption in their lives. And you will... and. Five years from now, one year from now, two years from now, three years from now, they will be in a whole new, different place, Father. Mm-hmm. And Father, I praise you, I thank you. And I mm-hmm. ask for the same anointing that you have given me, that for everything that you have gifted me in redemption, that that, that restoration and redemption will be will starting to, will start to reach out into the lives of the viewers. And Lord, I also pray Isaiah 45 over mm-hmm. every viewer. Whatever money that they thought they have lost, if they have been, if they have been victims of scams, or even, you know, and in my, in my case, I would say a lot of, a lot of it has got to do with my own stupidity at that time. But I want to own my part. And it doesn't matter whether we were stupid or we were scammed or we were, or whether we were victims. We are not meant to be victims. We are meant to be victorious. And so I decree it. And I declare it over our viewers in the name of Jesus. And that, Lord, I stand on the promise of Isaiah 45 that you will release, you will release the hidden riches in secret places. Mm. And so, whatever the, whatever the enemy has stolen, whatever, mm. whatever the locust has devoured, mm. you will restore to them in the name of Jesus, oh Lord. So that, Lord, they will rise up. Thank so you. that they will rise up. And receive everything that you have for them. In yeah. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you for that powerful prayer. I know that it's going to touch many hearts. It resonated with mine. And I just, that was beautiful. Thank you. Well, thanks again, ladies, for watching Girl Talk. We're so glad that you joined us today. Stay tuned for our next broadcast. And be blessed. Hey everyone, don't miss our next Kingdom Community Zoom meeting on August 17th at 7.30 p.m. Central Time. Y.E. will be our guest and she'll be sharing on how God wants to raise you up to walk in authority and become a Kingdom influencer on the earth. If you would like to join the Zoom meeting, email us at admin at kingdomcommunity.global. You won't want to miss this. Again, the email address is admin at kingdomcommunity.global. tuning in to Girl Talk with Lynn Blakeney. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on social media to receive notifications of new episodes and important updates. We'll catch you next time.